Welcome to Porcelain Peak, a strange and scary podcast covering all things horror and science fiction. everybody welcome to episode two of season two we're getting close to that uh that 50 mark and i'm pretty excited about that that's an actual like a real real milestone i'm pretty sure in like episode eight you're like oh we've done eight episodes and it's like that's not a milestone dog <laughs> <laughs> i think i did that for a couple of them leading up but yeah i'm here with the anthony's how's it going boys I, i'm excited to be here i'm happy to be here i think i'm excited about how much traction i feel like our last episode is already getting. Even if I physically don't feel 100% and feel like a ghoul today, I'm powering through for the listener. Hey, and ghouls on theme. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Exactly. I'm excited um, for all of our cool shirt choices. Obviously, you got the Freddy Krueger, you got the Buffy, and I have the plain white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that from the band, plain white tees. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mine's just a ghost. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, we are going to be doing an episode today on other mediums of sci-fi. So different things that are outside of the typical movies and TV that we talk about most of the time. So we're going to branch out into some really weird territories. Hopefully make some recommendations of some things that you might enjoy in your own day-to-day or some things that you didn't know existed. Uh, so be ready for that. And just as a quick reminder, we are... In Anthony's patented September Starve, where he uh, primarily does not do anything horror-related, which is lame and terrible, but we are going to keep that in that kind of theme. So we'll be doing a lot of sci-fi since horror is going to get its own month here in like a nanosecond. So uh, once October rolls around, we'll get a lot more horror content. And obviously, there'll be a couple things that probably Tony and I will talk about a little bit as far as we have It Chapter 2 coming out this week. We have Three from Hell coming out. So there are a couple things that need to be discussed because obviously you can't miss them. I'm sorry, Anthony. He put himself in this situation. You can't. <laughs> you, you really can't uh, feel sorry for a guy who decides he's going to starve himself of the best genre that we have an entire podcast around. But hey, sci-fi is cool too. <laughs> Whatever. Let's talk about the fucking news. This is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. Fuck the prime time, bitch. So this is something that I actually uh, just found out about, and I felt like it was something that was very on-brand for me, coming in from the art world. So it looks like the Concept Art Awards Inaugural Lifetime Achievement Award is a new thing that exists. It's taking place at the Lightbox Expo in Pasadena, California. This is a new award that is specifically... Well, it's not only honoring concept art from classic concept art creators. They're going to be doing more of a push to honor student concept art. But for right now, as part of launching it, the award is going to go to five Lifetime Achievement recipients. So the first is no surprise to anyone, H.R. Giger, which is also cool because for him to be recognized in any way for the amount that he's influenced so many different movies, here it lists Alien specifically as where the the award is, is going towards his concept art for Alien. But I really he's been such a huge influence on so many different people wasn't he a big part of uh, dune as well 
Yeah, yeah, he was, which will tie into what I'll be talking about in a little <laughs> bit. But um, next up for the award is uh, Ralph McQuarrie. Um, I don't know how much you guys know about him, but he is the guy responsible for basically helping create Star Wars. I don't feel like he gets as much credit as he deserves because if you know about the creation and inception of the idea for Star Wars, it went through so many different iterations. The original script was sent to Ralph McQuarrie. George Lucas gave him the script and said, I want you to help me pitch this to studios. I want you to create some artwork. And at this point, the movie was nowhere near what it ended up becoming through editing and everything. But he basically just took some iconic characters, Darth Vader, C-3PO, and made these absolutely gorgeous paintings. And then those paintings helped convince these studios that this weird-ass idea that George Lucas had was viable. And then that concept art has actually gone on to inspire some of the animation for newer Star Wars cartoons and things like that. They've gone back to the Ralph McQuarrie concept art and made new characters and things like that based off it. So I'm excited about that. Uh, That's crazy to think that Star Wars was a weird idea at some point. Yeah, I know. It's like the most bankable product that exists in our current day and... At one point in time, it was some weird idea from some guy in his garage. I mean, yeah, now it might be less surprising to hear that George Lucas had some really batshit ideas that didn't work with the original script. But the original script was a completely wildly different thing. And part of what helped pare it down to these iconic images is the artwork that Ralph McQuarrie did. He basically came up with how Darth Vader and C-3PO and these characters that obviously have helped you know that a lot of people make a lot of money you know he helped bring them to life which i think is a, a huge part of why these guys are so important and why it's so cool that they're getting these awards uh we also have john mobius i believe it's gerard who did the concept art for the original tron mm, nice. another thing where the visual style is obviously the main part of of what makes that movie cool and interesting and exciting um so he's getting one uh, Ron Cobb for his concept art for Back to the Future. Nice. Another super, super iconic uh, sci-fi property. Sci-fi yeah. property, yeah. And then uh, Sid Mead for Blade Runner. Fuck. So all all these things where you hear him and you go, oh, not surprising at all. Why the hell have these guys not had some type of recognition? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, for those of us who are, are into art and into the art world, we know names like H.R. Giger. I can recognize this stuff anywhere. Same with Ralph Macquarie, you know. But this is also exciting, too, because some of these names I hadn't heard of before, you know, reading this. But you know their work so well without knowing what their names are. And for me, it, it gets me excited to go search these guys and f figure out what else have they done. You know, do they have books that are written about them? Is there a documentary? I know Giger has a documentary. Very strange. He's a very strange man. Um, <laughs> no shit. <laughs> right. Um, so it's, it's definitely exciting for me to, to go, okay, I'm going to check these out and then also see who else is involved with, you know, the student projects and things that are getting awarded here and, and see if they're looking up to these guys, then hopefully they're doing some pretty interesting and exciting work. Um, that I'm looking forward to seeing who knows in 20 years, we might be awarding them for some crazy shit. <laughs> yeah. I think that'd be an interesting award to keep an eye on. Yeah. And it's cool to, to hear about it. Um, I just felt like this news kind of fell perfectly into my lap in terms of exactly what I'm interested in. And it's cool to, to hear about it before it actually happens and, and be able to follow it year to year. Maybe not have, throw a, an Oscar level uh, house party <laughs> around it, but at least go, hey, you know, this is happening. This is exciting. Let's check out some of this artwork. My piece of news is from today's Nintendo Direct. As of recording today, we are currently at Wednesday, which is our typical recording day, but Wednesday the 4th. 
And uh, Nintendo dropped a whole bunch of announcements, 40 minutes worth of content. But the big one that was kind of out of left field, and I had no idea that they were going to do this, a game that was technically at its time of release considered to be a AAA title, but was very weird and culty and had this kind of like B-movie-ish kind of feel to the quality of it, but was also like very well praised by some people and is very divisive. Mm-hmm. It's a game called Deadly Premonition. Uh, so basically, it kind of has like this weird detective, almost like a Twin Peaksy kind of feel, but also very B. Well, I'm definitely super sold on literally everything that you've already said. So, <laughs> so not only are are they remastering it and bringing it over to the Switch, and I think it may have released today, um, they're also making a sequel and. Like I said, this is a game that didn't sell super well, but has a huge cult following because it's just batshit crazy. And I'm excited to check it out because it's something that I missed because it came out at a weird time where I didn't have like the right console to play it on or something like that. Yeah. And now that it's coming to Switch, Switch is my my most played console. So it's definitely something that, that makes it more accessible to me. And also, like I said, it's right in that wheelhouse. It has some kind of like some horror and sci-fi elements to it. So like I said it's perfectly right into that window and and definitely something that's super i feel like like you were saying out of left field unexpected for nintendo because when i hear that nintendo is having some sort of event i get excited because i i, I love the things like new legend of zelda content new mario content but it kind of gets exhausting after, you know to see you know you know what to expect from nintendo and they do what they do well but sometimes you want to see them kind of lean into something that's different and also on top of this i guess i am going to need to buy a switch for the third time (laughs) because i've had i've had two others before and so i'm just like damn it nintendo just when just when i thought i had escaped (laughs) you pull me back you make a b-movie twin peaks game and then promise a sequel (laughs) all right well i guess i don't really feel that excited about the shit that i was gonna say now because those are both pretty cool things but um the banana splits movie is out I mean, I'm interested to check it out. I mean, so, yeah, we mentioned it coming out, and then they released a trailer, and then I was at Target the other day, and it's just out. So I don't know if you've heard about this. I no, you'll have to fill me in. I, I don't. Oh, really know. do you so know the banana just, splits? They're like da na na da na na na. Giant people in like these huge costumes. It was like an old, old, old kids show. variety show. Those. It sounds very vaguely familiar, but also something that I would have absolutely zero interest in. Like as a as a child when I was probably supposed to have interest in it. So oh, I no, it, it was just... not, inter- it was not very entertaining no. being someone who was born in the eighties and grew up in the nineties. Like, it yeah. was not something that was entertaining. It was just something that showed up. Like if you watched old cartoons, it gets worse because they made a horror film <laughs> with those characters. Yeah. So it was originally like a kid's variety show for back, I think in the seventies. And then for some reason they were like, yeah, fuck it. Let's make a horror movie. And so it's those characters murderizing a bunch of people suddenly i'm again super interested yeah, you're saying exactly. <laughs> i'm like okay it's to take this thing that is already weird and creepy like you know these these costume chuck e cheese style right. bands and i mean obviously i mean i i would have to read into it and i'm only making an assumption here but it sounds like it might be something that's trying to capitalize on the success of things like five nights at freddy's where i could definitely see that it's the inherent thing. uncanny valley creepiness of those animatronic bands or those of people in big costumes and so somebody had the idea with five nights at freddy's again something that was not super on my radar i never played but i was okay well yeah people think that's creepy and weird so let's make something 
like it's easy to make something scary out of it. And it sounds like with the banana splits thing, that's probably what they're doing too is going, Hey, you know, kids are creeped out by these costume characters. I mean, to me, it reminds me too of like the, what was the escape from Tomorrowland, or you know the mm, the movie that right. was filmed in Disney, where it's taking like the inherently weird, creepy parts of all the schmaltziness and costume of Disney and trying to make something you know scary. That movie, you know, as far as I was concerned, didn't super pull it off, but it was a cool idea. Well, that was all done gorilla style too. So yeah, yeah. So definitely a cool concept. I mean, I'll check out this banana splits thing <laughs> now that I know that it even exists and apparently is available <laughs> to buy at Target. <laughs> I mean, it looks like it's um, one of those movies that doesn't take itself too seriously. So it's probably going to be pretty gory and probably a pretty good time. So, All right, so that's going to wrap it up for news for this episode. So we're going to hop into some Pass the Popcorn trivia. Here's how we play. I ask a question. If you get it right, Steve lives. Come on, it'll be fun. It's an easy category. It'll be trivia. So we're sitting in a little bit different order this week. So I'll be reading to John. This is going to be a 1951 sci-fi. All right, the first clue is going to be a quote, and I am going to butcher this. Klaatu Barada Nikto. I'm going to take the second clue. Characters. Michael Rennie as Klaatu and Gort the Robot. I'm just going to throw out a guess because I don't think anything else in there is going to give me any any better clues. The Day the Earth Stood Still? Yeah. You fucking... <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, I was. It made me think immediately of The Day the Earth Stood Still, but also the Klaatu Barada Nikto is... They use it as a joke as the Latin uh, language that Ash reads in, I believe it's Army of Darkness. <laughs> um, they they kind of tie in a little... And I think that's probably why it stuck out to me as more Evil Dead than... <laughs> In the actual movie. I wish it had been something from Evil Dead. All right. Uh, 1994 fantasy. I'm flesh and blood, but not human. I haven't been human for 200 years. Bicentennial Man. No. We got our first wrong answer. Yep. I, t- I told you I was going to flub it super, super hard. Do you want to try to jump in and steal for foursies? I don't. Hey, if you guys know the answer to that trivia question that I just really, really, really poorly fucked up on, go ahead and send send that answer to us in the comments on Instagram, Facebook. And in the meantime, we'll have to sit and be super frustrated about the fact that we don't know what it is. Well, I'm even more upset than anything about how easily I think you're going to get this one. We'll see. I suck with quotes. 1982 science fiction. The quote is, somebody in this camp ain't what he appears to be. By spring, it could be all of us. The thing. Ding, ding, ding. Shit's rigged. You're a champion <laughs> little horse. All right, John. Your next one. Here we go. 1992 horror. 92 horror. All right. Okay. So for this quote, they went with a tagline. And that tagline is, we dare you to say his name five times. Is it Candyman? It is Candyman. Good job. All right. Dang. Seven points. Old seven point brasher. <laughs> <laughs> All right, wrapping it around for the tone here. 2001 Thriller. First clue we are looking at. Why are you wearing that stupid, stupid man suit? Donnie Darko. It is Donnie Darko. <laughs> it was hard to not just be like, to automatically say bunny suit by accident mm. and do the stupid voice of the, why are you wearing that stupid bunny suit? Yeah, it's... <laughs> Now we're start, we're just getting the ones where it's like, hey, what's that person? One of those that person's favorite movies? Like, there you go. <laughs> four seven four. 
Let's see if uh, for Anth- the win. Let's see if Anthony's going to have to actually make an effort on this one. <laughs> All right, we're looking at a 1978 science fiction movie. The first clue is that's because they're all part of it. They're all pods. All of them. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You're 100% correct. (laughs) Ah, fucking asshole. Went in two weeks in a row. I feel better about my performance, though. I I feel awful, personally, about mine. (laughs) Hey, you didn't have to take three clues. You actually took a stab at it with some some gusto and some balls. Yeah. All right. Do you think that if he would have gotten the other clues that he would have gotten that card? I think so. I think that I think that maybe the next clue he would have gotten. It. Yeah. So yeah, I think I just got too over, overzealous on that one, yeah. <laughs> the classic thriller bicentennial man. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I haven't seen that movie in like 200 years. <laughs> All right, so that's going to wrap it up for trivia this week. We've got a 2-week win streak going on for for Anthony over here. Bastard. Uh <laughs> But yeah, if you enjoyed that, uh, go ahead and hit us up on any of our socials. Like I said, if if you know the answer to the question that Tone missed, uh, hit us up on those socials as well uh, with that answer, and maybe we'll give you a shout-out on the next episode. Other than that, let's get to the main course. The meat and potato. I know this steak doesn't exist. I know that when I put it in my mouth, the Matrix is telling my brain that it is juicy and delicious. After nine years, you know what I realize? Ignorance is bliss. All right, so we are going to hop into our segment for this one. This is going to be about other mediums of sci-fi, so not your typical movies and TV, uh, but you know things like books, music, art, video games, you know, stuff that's a little more off the beaten path. Uh, some of it will still probably be pretty popular, but it'll just be things that maybe maybe you haven't gotten a recommendation for or things that maybe not all of us have done so we can kind of hype each other up to go, go out and uh, do, see, or listen to those things. Right, I think that uh, included on that should be even other podcasts. Yeah, Obviously, definitely. we should be priority number one. Numero uns. Um, but if you're on your downtime between episodes then I guess you might want to check out some other podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the other mediums, obviously, that I went to, all things considered, was books. Yeah. I have a few of those. Uh, so the first one that immediately came to mind was 1984. Someone's pre-science fiction. I guess maybe it's just fact now. <laughs> My yeah. science fact now. <laughs> yeah, it's even scarier now. <laughs> right. So that was one that I brought up, and I feel like that's, pretty classic in the field that's maybe one of those ones that's not super in your face science fiction but it's one of the classics i think we talked about a little bit on on your bonus episode where it kind of transcends the genre and just becomes a part of culture well yeah and that's exactly what i was just about to say is that the thing is people may not have actually read 1984 but they know big brother and then obviously big brother became its own whole TV show with that whole con- <laughs> So people know the idea of Big Brother without even realizing that's from 1984. And the same with, you know, Apple's, the Apple commercial that is straight up just a, she throws the hammer at the screen, Big Brother, you know, that, that very, very iconic ad. A lot of people remember that ad and don't know that it's basically a 1984 reference. Um, so I think it's just one of those things that's seeped into culture, especially with how politically relevant um, it's been, and increasingly so with time. Um, I think it's, it's definitely something if people haven't checked it out and, you know, go read it, it, 
it'll probably scare the shit out of you because it's just a, it's definitely a scary, super relevant concept. I mean, there's definitely other books that I could mention, but the only one I want to mention because I said I do it every episode is the book that uh, Arrival is based on. <laughs> I swear to God, I thought you were going to say something about Banana Splits. Oh, man. Yeah, the Banana Splits biography. <laughs> so that one is called Stories of Your Life and Others. So that one is by Ted Chiang, and that is what was the inspiration for the movie Arrival. And so I figured I'd uh, get my one per episode in. <laughs> and I've actually read not the entirety of that, but I have read a few of the short stories from that compilation, um, including the one that Arrival was based on. And he's, he's definitely a very interesting, strange author, but the the writing is very very good if you loved arrival which i feel like who doesn't go go check out that story go check out the other stories to get a little bit more of that fix yeah you know anthony doesn't though he doesn't love it i hate no arrival yeah fucking garbage (laughs) (laughs) oh i lied i do want to mention the three body problem that is a book one of three that is by a chinese author and it's supposed to be one of the greatest like science fiction novels in more recent years and it's, i think it's probably i think it's considered one of the greatest like ones to come out of china and it kind of i mean it's translated to english but it was what kind of got people to start looking over there to see other science fiction novelists and that one is a series of three and i just recently got the third one i haven't read any of them they're pretty big but uh i'm interested in checking those out i remember reading the description and just being so enthralled by that that i went and bought the entire series so That'd be another one to check out. Yeah, I, I've, I've definitely heard the title, and it's come up on lists when I've tried to search, you know, popular science fiction novels. It's just right. not something I've gotten around to reading, but I, I definitely want to check it out. Is there any books that you guys would say hit your hit your marks, or you want to move on to another category? So, uh, go ahead. So, mine is um, actually the reason that I chose my topic for other sci-fi medium is that I feel like it it is across a lot of different platforms. But mainly people know it as a quintessential sci-fi novel, which is Dune. Mm. Um, so with Dune, it's it's a novel that if you ask anyone what's the best science fiction novel of all time, almost always they're going to say Dune. And it's also sold more copies than any other science fiction novel. Great book. Um, I actually just recently finished it. And it's it's something where I can definitely see why a lot of people maybe haven't checked it out. People might be more familiar with the critically panned David Lynch adaptation starring Kyle MacLachlan. That movie shows up on a lot of lists of worst movies ever made. As, you know, coming from someone like me who loves basically anything that David Lynch does, I haven't had the heart to check out the movie because I know it's going to be a really sad experience for me, especially as someone who likes, like, I really loved the book. I thought the book was great, and I can see why it's been so difficult for people over the years since it came out, because I believe it came out in 1965, I want to say, around there, and it's had so many failed attempts to be made into other media, because it's just one of those, it's one of those things where everybody wants to do the Peter Jackson, you know, successfully uh, adapting this huge sprawling world. And it's really difficult to do. And the people involved with like Lord of the Rings worked their asses off. And the thing that kind of ties us all around to what we were just talking about with Arrival is that the newest adaptation attempt um, is being directed by Denis Villeneuve, who did the newest Blade Runner and also did Arrival. And basically, he's someone who I have loved every movie that he's come out with since Enemy, Sicario, Arri- you know, all these movies. 
which is exciting, but also just like with David Lynch, scary. Because if it fails for some reason, my expectations are going to be so high through the roof. Uh, apparently, the book was made into a apparently pretty faithful uh, sci-fi channel miniseries. And there's a really, really great documentary called uh, Yodorowsky's Dune, where he was this very visionary, very strange director who was trying to get a Dune project going. And it's the entire story of, of how difficult that project is to make into a movie. Because there's just so, so much rich world building and politics and characters and all these things. But uh, before I stop talking about it, I wanted to kind of run through. I don't know how much you guys know about the cast of this movie, but it sounds amazing. So they keep adding people? Yeah, every time I look, it's, it's new people. But yeah, it's it's directed by uh, Denis Villeneuve. Um, it's going to star Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Bautista, Zendaya, and it looks like also Jason Momoa and Javier Bardem. Yeah, Jason Momoa was the last one that I heard who was attached to the project, and that's I mean that's a it's an all star cast. It really is. I mean, of like new new world great actors. That's that's the list, you know, pretty much. Well, and the thing that I find almost the most interesting, going back again to what I was talking about, how earlier about how weird Star Wars is, the idea of Star Wars was when it was first made. George Lucas heavily based his entire idea of Star Wars off of Dune. It takes a lot from Dune, and that creates a problem if you're trying to make an adaptation of Dune, because people who don't know that the book came first and was a huge inspiration to Star Wars, there's even an interview I was reading with Villeneuve where he says it's such a difficult project to do because people are going to think we're ripping off Star Wars, when in reality we're doing the project that so heavily influenced the desert planet and all that. You know, I mean, the, the book is called Dune because it takes place on a desert <laughs> planet. Yeah. Um, and there's so much stuff, even reading the book, I was going, Oh, yep. That's exactly, exactly where George Lucas got the idea. And he's never been ashamed to say it, but it just means that there's a lot of pressure on anyone, especially with how obviously massive and just eternal star Wars has become. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's going to be really difficult to make something that people are going to be interested in seeing that doesn't feel like, Oh, they're just ripping off star Wars or it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty large book. Yeah. Yeah, and as far as I know, they are splitting the first book up into two movies. Okay, that, I was, that was what I was going to ask you, because you had mentioned Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings, and he was able to... Well, originally, that was supposed to be one book, mm -hmm. and then they split it up into three books, and so he was able to kind of chop at that in chunks. So I was going to ask you if you think that this would be better formatted in a series of sorts. Yeah, as far as I know, unless things change, because at this point, I mean, it has been... We've gotten a couple little images of just, like, production... Not of any, as far as I know, of anybody like in costume or anything like that. It's kept mostly under wraps, and it's one of those things where until it actually exists with a trailer or something, I still am holding out, like thinking that it might fall through. But the last that I read was that they were going to split the book in half. Having read the book, I know where they said they want to split it, and it makes sense to me because it really just is a lot of material. And then on top of that, um, I had actually mentioned this before uh, to you personally off mic that. Denis is actually going to be producing slash at least directing a couple of the episodes of a spinoff TV series that's going to be a prequel to the movie. So that's super cool and really exciting. Um, and the TV series is going to be based on characters that I know people who know Dune are very excited about. It's just a lot to put on somebody's plate. And it, so it makes me nervous, I think. But I mean, with that much talent, you really got to hope that it's something that's going to turn out to be huge. And I haven't been disappointed so far with 
the movies that he's directed. And I think after seeing Blade Runner, yeah, maybe it wasn't everybody's cup of tea, just like the original Blade Runner wasn't everybody's cup of tea. But I enjoyed it enough to to have confidence that he's going to make something that is going to blow people away. And, and, and it's going to be crazy to see all these actors sharing screen, you know, sharing the screen in this huge space adventure. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. I'm not super familiar with it at all. And I know Lynch can be pretty divisive anyway. So I don't know if that's so much to go off as based off like the adaptations. So I'll be interested to see what Denis does. And obviously I'm a big Denis fan. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it'll be something that we'll have to get tickets to as soon as they show up and it shows that the movie actually exists. So we'll have to get <laughs> yeah. tickets and go see it. They do exist. <laughs> but yeah. So for me, I have a, I have a couple of things in the book list, something uh, to start off. That's probably a little more accessible and is definitely better than its film adaptations. The hunger games trilogy. Uh, it definitely has that sci-fi feel to it with kind of like the dystopian territory of things. The Maze Runner series is also really good as well. Definitely way better than its film adaptations. Uh, but I think the thing that I have on here that's the most delta between it and its film adaptation is John Carter of Mars. Ooh. <laughs> the John Carter of Mars series is highly lauded uh, and is loved by many people. Um, is that uh, from Edgar Rice Burroughs? Yes, yeah, from uh, Tarzan. Yeah, ba- yeah, yeah. Basically, started started writing those stories in 1911, a long time ago. And then they did. Um, they used to release little snippets of the stories in magazines and in newspapers. Like it was a big deal. It was a cultural phenomenon. Then they made John Carter in 2012, and that movie is garbage. And most people are very upset about that. I would say that I'm, I'm a little on that list. It's not the worst movie as far as like adaptations go, but it, it's pretty bad as compared to how much people love the original stories. I well, saw something fairly recently that was like, in retrospect, I guess the John Carter movie wasn't that bad. <laughs> I just think that it's, it's a symptom of exactly what we were talking about with Dune, where those stories are, they predate a lot of really popular science fiction and were inspirations that serialized you know, again, I, I hate having to feel like I have to constantly draw things back to Star Wars, but it he really, George Lucas really did take a lot from his inspiration of serialized storytelling, serialized sci-fi storytelling, you know, the Flash Gordon type things. And that was, that was big back yeah. then. And that helped shape the way that people see science fiction. The problem is, you know, you can throw a bunch of money at something and and be like, well, it was popular back in the early 1900s and it's totally going to nail it. But people aren't as willing, I think, unless it's an established property to learn a new world, to learn all these weird character names. And then you put somebody like, uh, who was the, who, who played John Carter in that movie? Um, shoot. It's Taylor Kitsch. Oh, there's nothing about Taylor Kitsch that is memorable, memorable, except for him being a very terrible gambit. Yeah. Like a, like a, uh, nostalgia shattering gambit. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so I think that's the that's the problem too is that you didn't get a like a charismatic lead. People had no idea based on the title what the movie was going to be. You just see something called John Carter, and it's like, okay, well, what does that tell me at all about what the story is about? You know, even just going ahead and calling it John Carter, you know, of Mars or whatever, it's something to at least make people go, "Ooh, that sounds interesting." Yeah. Instead of literally calling it. You know, they could have just called it boring white guy, you know, <laughs> and it would have been, it would have had the same, uh, I think, you know, reaction story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. They're not a super difficult read. Um, I think there's like 11 books in total. Like it's a, like there's a massive world there that could be 
potentially pilfered and put into film. I know that they've thrown around the possibility of making a John Carter 2, which would be weird considering it made almost no money and everybody hated it. <laughs> I think that, like I said, I think that there is the possibility that that could work, but I think that at this point, maybe letting Disney let go of the property and send it to somebody else who wants to invest a little more time in it is it something that would literally directly compete with Marvel and with Star Wars, why would Disney be the ones to have this property? Why not sell it off to somebody else and let somebody else take a stab at making something really cool? I just think eventually it's probably going to be one of those things that ends up being a TV show. That would be a, a better bet, I would say. I would even want them to, in the same vein as what they did with Tarzan, again, also, you know, same author, make a really, really good animated series. You know, have some crazy visual art. Try your best to make it something that's unique. If if doing it live action because it reminds people of other sci-fi properties is not interesting enough, boom, go make something that is this weird, gorgeous space opera, you know, animated thing. Really going to depend on whether anybody feels like there's any viable reason to do that with that property. Yeah. And, you know, after what happened with them trying to make the movie. But it's always it's always interesting and sad to see these movies like that or like a Jupiter Ascending where they these movies that are these huge, big budget, crazy sci-fi things, and then they just completely disappear off the face of the earth and never get any traction. And it's such a huge loss of money for the studio. And yeah, I mean, as soon as you said John Carter, I almost get the, that and Jupiter Ascending mixed up in my mind in terms of like the weirdest sci-fi shit that's, <laughs> <laughs> that somebody tried to put out. Space Gates. Space skates, yeah. <laughs> Should we move on to um, some audio stuff? Yeah, let's do. All let's right. definitely do that. Obviously, for us, and you might not think of this as sci-fi, I guess, for a lot of people, but David Bowie is one as far definitely. as music goes. Um, well, it's it's spread out into his film career too. Like, yeah, he was a man who Felder. was sci-fi. Like, <laughs> period. He was just like he was science fiction in real life. He might have been was, an alien. We're pretty sure that he didn't die. He just went back home to his home planet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then clanked his way up the up the up the uh, ladder with no uh with no John Williams score. Just yeah. clank, 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 clank. <laughs> well I feel like he just he was someone who made the science fiction aesthetic glam. He yeah. Ma- he made it fashionable. He made it cool to look like a, a complete weirdo spaceman like that. <laughs> you know, like people wanted to it's iconic now. I mean wanted to be I, him or be on him. Yeah, and I, well, I mean, a couple of us in this room have iconography from David Bowie, uh, you know, records that people rec- they they recognize immediately. Maybe your Lightning Bolt a little bit more than my Stars, but even the Black Star, I feel like that album is it's very the whole idea is obviously very end of life, uh, existential, but also sci fi influenced. And I feel like it's something that he carried through his entire career, which is cool to see somebody who is the weird sci-fi kid like really blow up like that and become an icon. Yeah. And, it, and it's obviously there's songs that are a lot more obvious with it, with something like Ziggy Stardust and the spiders from Mars and all that stuff. But then there's other songs that he has like all the pretty things, which is just seems like a, you know, you know, or all you pretty things, whatever it is. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of references to HG Wells in that. And he talks about like how, homo sapiens have outlived their run and now it's time for something better to come which is kind of fucked up i guess if you're a homo sapien yeah <laughs> but it, it, yeah like you were saying it kind of is this thread that goes through his music even if it's not blatantly like this is science fiction 
there's still pieces of it that get laid throughout and i think that's really cool yeah well yeah and then obviously you can't you can't have that conversation without talking about space oddity that and like rocket man yeah which now in in hindsight those artists at least i think elton john said that they're supposed to be like they're supposed to have a continuity those songs they're supposed to be about the same people what is fucking weird dude. well yeah and so it's like they're building their own science fiction world you know sadly bowie can't be as involved in that you know unless he is beaming us some signals from his home planet <laughs> if anybody was it'd be him yeah, and so then the other like music thing I'll mention is Coheed and Cambria. I don't know if you're familiar mm. with that, but I mean, all their albums, I think, except for one, is all based around one giant like sci-fi Star Wars-esque story. And so that's called the Amory Wars, right? Yeah. And that's pretty dope. Like You don't get multiple record concepts like that where it's all just a giant story too often. And so the fact that they've done that since their inception... And continue to do it except for you know that one record it's pretty dope well and i want to say he also um talking about claudio claudio sanchez the right. uh, the front man for that band uh he also carried that over to a side project called um uh, it's something prize fighter i'd have to look it up uh, i think it's like starship prize fighter or something like that yeah it's super weird yeah and there's a series of comics too yeah that's that's super exciting and i that was not something that i ever knew about them and i had never been like I'd heard a few, you know, a few Coheed songs here and there. I think they showed up on Guitar Hero Rock Band, you know, when that first launched. That was like one of the big <laughs> songs. Uh, was the, the you could have been all I wanted? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah welcome, and <laughs> Prize Fighter Inferno is the name of the band. But yeah, I didn't know that about them, and that's something that I'm super, super. I get nerdy about like if if anything where they're building this huge science fiction world i'm like cool that makes me so much more willing to go check out their their project uh, and what they're doing because obviously there's so much continuous thought and to do it for so long too to really have the, these big wor worlds and running themes and doing it in a medium where you wouldn't expect it you don't always expect that like yeah bands have concept albums but right you really they're, don't okay. expect them to have this entire thing that's more something you would see in a series of novels or when actually i want to say that he wrote a book as well not just comics but a, a book called year of the rainbow oh really um but yeah like it's it's one of the coolest things that i stumbled upon as a kid mm -hmm. like i just uh, I think a favor house Atlantic was that, like, like it was popular back in like the, uh, the emo scene days and, uh, definitely. And like listening to that album, like it has some super weird experimental things on it. And that kind of branches out and you're like, Oh, I'll, I'll check out the first album. And like, you can see that they have influences in music, but they all, like you were saying, they also have influence in, in just regular science fiction stuff. Uh, cause I mean, they do, they do have a very similar to sound to older bands like Rush, but Rush also is another band that that takes a lot of heavy influence from science fiction. They have a lot of really weird, like character-driven songs that were that just ended up becoming popular. Well, it's like Led Zeppelin, how they, if you listen, they're almost always singing about Lord of the Rings, like <laughs> yeah, about, super fantasy yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and it just goes right over people's heads unless they know anything about Lord of the Rings. And at the time, that must have been the weirdest shit to do because mm -hmm. it was way before Lord of the Rings became popular. So making references to Smeagol in your songs, like it probably threw some people <laughs> off, but it's a cool idea. You know, if you're passionate about something and you can express it, it's Smeagol, man, like dope. <laughs> <laughs> a big one for me. So there was a band that 
they still occasionally come out and they'll do like Halloween based shows and stuff. Um, but it was a band that I was very into in like the late 2000s, early 2010s um, called Ludo. And they, uh, they've released a few albums, but they released an EP uh, like right after they released their first album. And it was a, a five song rock opera. Most of the songs are in like the six to seven minute mark. And it has basically a, a story that kind of wraps around this person who lost their spouse to a car accident in 1989. And so they create a time machine to try to go back in time in order to save them. And so they end up going through this whole thing. They cross this past with this, this town in the future that's dealing with all this crazy stuff. And it's, it's very moving. The music is very well made. If you're into kind of like that, like pop punk kind of sound, uh, but they definitely go a little bit outside of that. They have huge like five part harmonies and over the top falsetto singing voices in some of the parts. Like they get very theatrical with it. And uh, not only have I had the benefit of listening to that album very many, like a large number of times, I've also seen them play the majority of the songs at live and in person, which gives it that that extra kind of like nostalgia quality to it. I would definitely say check it out. If you're going to check it out, listen to it in its in its entirety in one sitting. Um, I would even su- suggest potentially keeping the lyrics handy, just because you know it. Like I said, it does have kind of a pop punk feel to it in some places, so it does move pretty quickly. So there are some things that you might end up losing as far as references to the story. But like I said, it's one of my favorite albums of all time, just because of how moving the story is, and I felt like how original the storytelling was. Well, and that's awesome because it's definitely like I've I've definitely heard of Ludo. I just have absolutely no exposure to it. And it's another instance, just like with Coheed, where it, it makes me want to check out that music more, knowing that there's so much expanded stuff for you to enjoy. You know, there's so much beyond just listening to the record that you can really sink your teeth into. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of audio for me, science fiction related, I just wanted to touch on on a, a podcast that was actually one of the first podcasts that I ever listened to, which is a crazy thought now because my podcast library is massive. And <laughs> obviously now I am part of the podcast world. Uh, but Welcome to Night Vale yeah. is even when I was designing the new logo for, uh, for Porcelain Peak, I was looking at Welcome to Night Vale art, trying to get inspiration as to something that was simple and successful and, and bold colors because the Night Vale art has always been really really bold and interesting and it's such a cool concept um and i haven't listened in a while but they've been going since 2012 they have a ton of material and now not just the podcast which for anyone who doesn't know anything about welcome to nightvale the concept is that it's a fictional town uh where the idea is that cons- every conspiracy theory exists in this town so it's a the main character the radio host kind of uh, just like he's sitting down doing a podcast from the radio studio is telling you about the weird events in kind of a today here is the, the cat that just levitates in the bathroom and spins, or there's (laughs) the, uh, the, the big void cloud that is running for office in the town, uh, you know, and he's trying to convince everybody to join, you know, join the void or, you know, so it's this, every conceivable weird idea and goofy idea and it's so funny and so colorful and really really uh just accepting of strange people in real life Mm -hmm. and i think that's why people gravitate toward it but now they have spinoff books uh lots of spinoff art all kinds of things attached to it it's become this huge huge thing 
Uh, but I remember it was one of the first podcasts that I ever, ever listened to. And it's pretty amazing. And I would say, if you know, I, just talking about it has made me want to go back and spend some time catching up because I'm sure a lot of weird, weird shit has happened in Night Vale since I stopped listening. <laughs> There's hell episodes. Yeah. I think along those same lines, um, one that we've actually had on as a bonus episode would be Black Star. Yeah. It's another podcast. And then that's one that you've actually done some artwork for too, for yeah. the Chronicle series. Which is a lot of fun. Yeah. So it's, it's, it, what is delivered in podcast form, it's more of like an audio drama, right. which is tight. And like I said, it's fully voice acted. It has a, original music. Like it's, it's just, it's an, an interesting kind of combination of things, but all from like one person's like brainchild. And I think that <laughs> it shows in the level of quality and how in depth all of the, like, like the storytelling and the actual like content is. Right, so so one of the things that he does now that the whole Black Star story is basically finished, he's releasing these Chronicles, which is the one that you did the artwork for, and the next one now is horror-themed. So he's doing one called Black Star Chronicles The Culling, I believe. Oh, nice. And uh, yeah, I got to hear the trailer a little bit early today, and so that was pretty rad. And so they'll be releasing the trailer for that um, on Friday the 13th. That is, kind of is perfect. pretty tight. super awesome. I'm super excited about that. I loved doing the artwork for the chronicles and it's super cool too because randy tends to he's, he tends to get a, so many different people involved in the project where yes it's his brainchild but it feels like it's a huge collaborative effort because it he i've seen him get different visual artists he obviously does a lot of, you know does the sound and the music and everything and really works his ass off to make it but it, it's cool to see other people like i had my little piece of black star in designing right. the artwork and there are other people who also have their little piece of it where you know they can go back to that and say hey you know i was a part of this bigger collection of of people and projects some of whom you've never met you know and they're all a part of this really cool spanning um story that he's telling and the fact that he can pivot and do things that are more horror themed still in that universe i mean that's the fun of world building like that that's the fun of making a huge sci-fi world it's why you see all of these Star Wars spinoffs and things like that because it's just easy to say, hey, I have this whole universe I created. I want to do something that's more horror-themed. or Right, yeah. So I'm super excited for for that next uh, edition of The Chronicles. And check that out. Check that out on Friday the 13th. That'll be at uh, Black Star on either Apple Podcasts or I believe on Amazon too if you want to check out more of the story or our bonus episode from last season. I, we presented a whole episode of it and it's pretty rad. So that would be... Uh, my biggest podcast as far as science fiction goes. Uh, and I have one as well. Uh, it's from the Maximum Fun Network uh, called Bubble. So it's the um, the brainchild of Jordan Morris, a very, very funny comedian. And it's kind of like a a weird like sci-fi comedy-ish uh, story about this town that exists in a bubble and there are monsters everywhere. And basically these people go out to hunt these monsters for different like bounties and all this other crazy stuff. And it's just, it's a very interestingly told story. They actually did a, uh, a live episode recently where they actually, I think they went to San Francisco and they sat down and they recorded an episode live with like some of the cast of the show, but it's another show that's fully voice acted. Uh, and it was a story that originally he wanted to bring to TV and, Nobody was willing to do it, so he was like, "All right, we'll just do an audio version, and we'll see how it turns out." It's actually gotten some pretty good buzz. That sounds super cool. I have loved literally anything that Max Fun has ever put out. Yeah, I am a diehard fan of 
the flop house my brother my brother and me um i listened to basically anything that they that they put out <laughs> and did not know that this actually existed and so as soon as we're done recording here and i take off it's what i'm gonna be checking out in my car yeah, on the way a, home. i think I, first season is eight episodes and i think they're in the process of working on a season two now but yeah i love jordan morris um he was he was a small section of time he was a, a writer for um at midnight the chris hardwick game yeah, show yeah. um and was he a part of Jordan Jesse Go? Uh yeah, he yeah. well he is the Yeah, he's he, the Jordan. Yeah, he's the yeah, Jordan okay. of Jordan Jesse yeah. Go. And that's that's probably I think I've listened to more episodes of that podcast than I have than anything else. And it's also one of like the oldest podcasts that exists, too. It's like I think they've been running for like twelve or thirteen years, something something ridiculous. Yeah, they like basically that. helped birth the podcast careers of a lot of other talented uh, comedians. You know, all of those podcasts I've already talked about are basically kind of born out of how long running and successful the, the projects that Jordan Morris has done yeah. have been, which is, so that's super exciting to see that there's something new to listen to. And it sounds like a super cool concept. I'm really excited about it. So, yeah, I mean, now that we're kind of wrapping up with some of like the audio format things, I would like to jump into something that's a little more in my wheelhouse, uh, video games. So, um, obviously, uh, I play a lot of games. It's definitely something that I've done since I was a kid. And there are a ton of things that exist in like the sci-fi realm as far as video games are concerned. Some of the best ones, though, some of the ones that I feel like are are critically acclaimed, but also are super accessible as well. Um, the Mass Effect trilogy, uh, even though there are some issues with the ending of the third game, uh, Mass Effect Two in particular is one of the best games ever made. Period. And I feel like Bioware does a really great job of making big. RPGs that that like are something that you can really sink your teeth and your time into. Going back to like Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, uh, that was a game I spent a lot of time playing when I was younger. Kind of opens up a new territory for people who maybe like grew up playing like platformers and stuff. It's a good entry point to something that has a lot more creative like role playing elements to it, where you have to like build your character and you have to like create kind of like what their what their feel is and like actually role play the character. Like, you know, when there's like dialogue trees and all this stuff, you have to choose if your guy's going to be a complete asshole or if they're going to be the good, you know, the goody two shoes guy, or if they're going to be kind of like the, the roguish, like Han Solo type character where they're kind of a little mysterious. Yeah. I, I, I tended to default to making my character in most games where I have the option, a complete asshole. Yeah. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just like, well, you know, I'm going to try to be the, Try to break this world. I'm gonna try to be uh, um, um, the the super villain of whatever game that I'm playing. But yeah, like I said, those those two games are big as far as like the RPG the RPG territory is concerned. Um, I would definitely say that I count this as sci-fi. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean it's a, like an anthropomorphic, weird, fast blue hedgehog. Uh, the games that came out for Sega Genesis, I would say those are the ones that I would like. I would stand. I'm going to say, yeah, those are the those are the good ones. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones you should definitely check out. Um, definitely avoid most of the newer ones because uh, they are frustrating and some of them are broken, buggy messes. But uh, I have so many like nostalgic memories of spending hours and hours playing Sonic Two on the Genesis with like my like my family and just spend like basically playing until you die completely and then handing the controller over. Mm-hmm. Like I have so many memories of stuff like that. That's awesome. Yeah. For me, I think when it comes to sci-fi games, I, my picks aren't super current just because I feel like I don't have the time to 
play as much in terms of video games as I would like to, but definitely ones that stand out. I would consider something like Fallout, a, mm. a, a definitely a science fiction game. And that's, again, a, an example of where I, without fail, even if I tell myself ahead of time that I'm not going to, it's way too tempting to just blow people's heads off and let the whole town's, you know, burn down in a, a nuclear <laughs> fire. So I, you, you, you get kind of that that freedom to to play that asshole and and uh so i mean huge games for me when i was younger halo even if Mm -hmm. that uh, that was that was a bonding experience was playing something like halo and and having this this original world that is again something that has really failed to be able to be adapted in any other medium unless you're talking about red versus blue exactly well yeah (laughs) and we should but um yeah and 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 in terms of like board games or tabletop i my first exposure to what has become a big part of my life, which is Dungeons and Dragons, was playing science fiction tabletop roleplay. At the time, it was Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And that's when I first discovered that those kind of games exist. And there's a lot more outside of Star Wars in terms of uh, science fiction tabletop. Um, and I feel like that genre that is getting bigger and bigger um, these days, people are getting more into doing the the fantasy roleplay and things like that. But yeah, in terms of, of, of video games, sometimes the science fiction ones can be like Mass Effect, I've never done because just like science fiction and other mediums, sometimes it can be overwhelming how sprawling the the story and the world are and everything. And I think horror tends to have better luck at making these little contained stories in video games. And it can be a quick play, which works really well in, for someone like me who doesn't feel like they have all the time in the world. Uh, I think that definitely big ones for me would, would be the ones that I listed. Mm-hmm. For me, the only thing that I could really think of when we were trying to come up with ideas was the game Infamous, mm. where you have electricity. Well, I mean, it, it you're like the emperor, but on the street. <laughs> it also has a lot. It also has a lot of elements as far as like like role playing and like being able to choose whether or not you're going to be the hero that that uh, everybody needs, or you're going to be uh, the asshole and become the supervillain. Like there are a lot of decisions in that game that make it a memorable game, you know, and that's, it's a game that I actually, that I played and I had a lot of fun with. And I mean, it was so good that they made a sequel. I mean, it's definitely something like I said, that, that jumps out as a, a good sci-fi game for sure. Yeah. It was a blast when I played it. I didn't, I don't think I ever finished it or even got halfway through that game. Yeah. Cause then I think I got uncharted and played that instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we want to talk about, uh, <laughs> talk about, treasure hunting games there are plenty of those that are excellent <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. but even kind of breaking down into something that's more of like a sci-fi horror game the last of us is one of the greatest games ever made. I, in my personal opinion it's it, it it's probably the most fun and the most in, engaged i i was with a video game since i was a child i mean we can talk about you know i had a lot more time for video games when i was younger so i would get very very into them but it's really hard for a game to catch my attention long enough now for me to actually complete it and i could not put the last of us down um and it was the first game that i actually got for ps4 that game absolutely blew my mind in terms of everything they did with the hardware uh for the ps4 and i it was a game that i know i didn't want to trade in i didn't want to get rid of because i thought i'll go back to this at some point and i'll enjoy it even more than the first time i played it and I know they're talking about there's supposed to be a sequel now, mm-hmm. um, and that's something I'm nervous about, but because I want it to be good, um, and I almost feel like the original was such a beautiful, contained little thing that I'll always treasure as a, just a really good memory of sitting for a few days in front of my brand new PS4, just crying and laughing with the characters and just being so amazed at how beautiful everything looked. 
and and the sound design and the art and all that it was it was damn near like a perfect game yeah for sure yeah what are they gonna call the sequel the rest of us (laughs) (laughs) no i think it's just the last of us too oh exciting oh yeah (laughs) very very anti is the last of us kills like the the last exorcism too well said guess the first one was wrong Um, I can't really think of any tabletop stuff. I mean, we, we do a lot of trivia. Well, I do a lot of trivia games, so mm-hmm. it kind of falls into that. We have the Stranger Things 1, which gets into that science-y horror area, and then we have Pass the Popcorn, and obviously that one branches into both. I know you and I had talked about getting some other games. I sent you some that looked pretty cool. They had some science fiction ties, like some Jurassic Park stuff. Yeah, the entire concept of like escape rooms. I think that... While it is more of a more of a produced thing, and it's something that somebody else sets up for you, it is a game, uh, and it draws a lot of ties from from film, from TV, from books, and it's able to create like this experience that you go through with a big group of people, where you also have to like kind of quickly delve yourself into lore, and I like that a lot. Right, and those can be science fiction themed, those can be horror themed. I think a lot of times it's adventure themed. I mean, it's really anything. I mean, yeah. There's prison ones, you know, and even outside of the real world ones, there's like video game adaptations of that. Mm-hmm. We've dived into a couple of them and some of the horror elements to those are pretty damn creepy. Yeah. I just, I think the idea of being locked in a room and someone creeping on you is unsettling. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, real quick, before we wrap the segment up, I do want to kind of dive into something that I think is a little kind of cheating because of the because of how referential the content can be but comic books. Yeah. Uh, I know that comic books are you know are a huge a huge market now. They didn't used to be. I mean, it was something where they were in you know in like the golden age of comics and the silver age of comics like that they were a big deal and then they kind of fell by the wayside and they tried to go all WWE uh, attitude era style uh, <laughs> and make things as ridiculous as humanly possible and then they kind of went away for a while there were a bunch of companies like marvel was one of them that almost went out of business and had to sell off a bunch of their properties to make ends meet and then they started making movies and everybody was like okay dope comics are cool again um <laughs> but just to kind of reference a couple that i feel like are big in the comic book world that aren't necessarily things that are are super lauded for their um, adaptations to film. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Watchmen. Watchmen oh, yeah, is yeah, Watchmen absolutely. is one of the biggest comics ever created, and I love how contained the story is. And I love that we're getting some continuations now too. We have, you know, they had the uh, the Watchmen DC crossover event that they did mm-hmm. last, like starting last year, um, and that's been super entertaining. And then they also have the Watchmen television show that's coming out to HBO. But the actual, like, source material, the original graphic novel, is a masterpiece. It's one of the best things that I've ever read in my entire life. The art style is absolutely gorgeous. And it's just, it's it's three people who had a, had a really cool vision and were able to piece all of it together to make something iconic. I think, um, I'm really actually glad that you brought this up in terms of comics. Because one of my absolute all-time favorite comics that does kind of take that a lot of inspiration from things like star wars is saga Mm -hmm. um saga is very heavily inspired by things like star wars but it's so much its own successful world building it's about uh 
I was just reading. So um, Saga is by uh, Brian K. Vaughn. It's illustrated by Fiona Staples. The art is absolutely gorgeous. It has a very unique look. Some of the characters are very, very strange. It doesn't feel so much like they're completely ganking other sci-fi. It mm-hmm. really feels like its own thing. And it's based on ideas like Star Wars because uh, it. Brian K. Vaughn said that he came up with most of the concept both as a child and then when he was a parent. So the comic deals a lot with this relationship, you know, these parents who are warring from warring alien races who are having to care for their, their new baby in a world where they're, they're very outcast for being together. And, um, it ends up being a really, uh, touching family story. Also having all this crazy, exciting adventure space opera type stuff. So, um, I would definitely recommend checking it out if, if you haven't already. That's going to wrap it up for our main event. If there's anything that you are super into as far as like sci-fi uh, other mediums as we're calling them, hit us up on any of our socials. Like I said, um, we're happy to discuss cool things or just have cool recommendations of things that we should check out in the future. Other than that, we'll go ahead and hop into our watch lists. Patrick, what is it? Where are you going? I've got to return some video games. So one recommendation that I have for you guys is going to be more of a uh, listen than it is going to be a watch. But Rami Malek has a new podcast out called Blackout. And it's an audio drama. And I stumbled across it. And I've checked out three or four episodes. And it's it's pretty good. It's not great. He's fantastic, as always. And I feel like sometimes when you get into the audio dramas, the acting can get a little bit cheesy. And so you kind of have that with this outside of him. Just, I mean, he's an, he's a good actor. He's a great actor. And so his parts feel very genuine and very well acted. And some of the other ones are around him, not so much. But basically it's this town and a big blackout happens. Nobody knows why the power out power's out or what's going on. And a plane crashes at some point. And so everyone's kind of just fending for themselves and trying to figure it out and slowly descending into the chaos. It kind of reminded me of, a Twilight Zone episode. That's what it sounds like, and it's, it's like something a, that I've I heard, I've heard about before, but I had never actually personally checked out. And I love, you know, for the most part, other projects that Malik has been a part of, mm-hmm. and um, it's really cool to see these bigger name, in his case, a you know, Oscar winning actors g- going into podcasts. You know, it's just like that shift that we've been seeing, you know, more and more frequently with big movie stars going to TV. It's always cool to see them go to this other media and give it the attention that it deserves. Because obviously, you know, I'm sure you guys feel exactly the same way. We love podcasts. We want our podcast to be successful. And we also love to see, I love to see other people's podcasts that are original and interesting and, and, and successful like that. Um, So I'm super excited to check it out. It sounds like a really cool concept. Yeah. It's a fun time. I think that you'd probably like it. Keeping it in the same vein of not necessarily going with something to watch. I started over the weekend playing uh, uh, Man of Madame, which is the newest game from uh, Supermassive Games, uh, very popular for making the game Until Dawn, which also has Rami Malek in it. Which I was going to talk about earlier. Loved <laughs> that game as a little yeah. contained horror game. Yeah, yeah, it's an excellent game. This game is very similar as far as the process goes, uh, but it is a full co-op experience. So you can sit down in a room with, with five other people and play this game. So basically each person gets to control their one character, and then you continue playing this, this through this story, and your decisions affect the things that happen to everyone else. So you have to kind of keep 
keep everybody else on their toes. And uh, it's a beautifully made game. I've been playing it on the PS4 Pro, playing it in 4K, and it is absolutely gorgeous. Um, it's definitely something that I want to sit down with the two of you and maybe get a group, see if we can try to get a group of five together and actually sit down and play. Because it's not something where it requires like a whole bunch of super crazy dexterity. It's just you kind of you walk around in the world, you interact with things almost point and click style, uh, you make dialogue decisions, and that affects what happens in the story. And I think that it would be super cool to kind of experience that as a group. Yeah, that like I mean, that's, that sounds like something that we're definitely going to have to follow up with on a future episode. And, you know, if we do end up playing it together, you know, potentially even recording, you know, our crazy experience, I'm sure we would have doing something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, you know, people might be interested in checking that out. On my end, I still been watching Mindhunter, but what I do end up spending a lot of my time doing these days as someone who just loves obviously talking about movies and horror specifically is there are a lot of really, really great film analysis youtube channels um that are really well produced and and for me i i love learning these little tidbits about movies that i would never have thought of um one that i know i sent you guys the link to is a guy uh called ryan hollinger i've been watching him pretty religious religiously for about six months his channel's been around for a little while and he does each episode is about a specific horror movie and kind of a, a theme that runs through that movie so it'll be i think his one of his more recent ones was going in depth in the story of i am legend mm -hmm. um which was super interesting and he has a lot of really important stuff to say that i think he needs even more attention to his channel because he's a very smart guy also things like uh beyond the screenplay they have a podcast and a youtube channel where they talk about the the way that writing a screenplay works and, and they take specific examples, say like the dark Knight, and they break down how the screenplay is so influential in making these successful projects. Um, so I'm always just scrolling through YouTube, finding new people all the time who are talking about uh, movies. If they're horror fans, I tend to gravitate toward them. Uh, so yeah, Ryan Hollinger, I would check out red letter media. They're, they're they've been very popular for the Mr. Plinkett Star Wars reviews mm. back in the day for the prequel movies, but they have so much other content and do spend a lot of time talking about horror movies. Um, so I would definitely check out that channel too. Um, but that's th those are my recommend recommendations. That's what I spend a lot of my time checking out personally. Um, if you're also looking for other YouTube channels to check out that maybe have a little more of like a comedy side to that same type of thing where they talk about a lot of like horror and sci-fi films. Um, or even just, like, games kind of breaking things down. Or even, like, specifically, like, comic book stuff. Uh, Cosmonaut Variety Hour is yes, absolutely hysterical. <laughs> uh, but he also has a lot of really good insights on filmmaking. Which is, you know, for being a guy who just, I think, I'm pretty sure he lives in just, like, an apartment in New York. Mm. And it just kind of does it for fun. Uh, he has a lot of, like, really cool insights. But like I said, he's also absolutely hysterical yeah i love that channel i'm really glad that you brought that up that that besides the ryan hollinger channel that's probably where i go most when it comes to watching those i get excited when they come out with new videos especially him because he has very funny very uh dry humor mm -hmm. um but definitely a super intelligent guy that's worth checking out so that's going to wrap it up for this week and anyway, we got a couple of shout outs before we sign off here uh, i'll hand that over to tone see what see what we've got going on yeah, so I, I I have been really surprised and really, really thankful at how much attention our relaunch of season two uh, of the podcast has been. Um, and so I just wanted to shout out a couple people who I am really thankful that they left comments, that they said that they've listened. Our good friend Ashley 
she made us a cool little shout out on um and i won't do last names i don't know how people feel about yeah. anonymity on <laughs> on the internet like this but uh ashley made a really cool sh- little shout out for us that looked like when i looked at it putting that much time into getting all that text all over the place i would not have i would not have been that dedicated so obviously she, <laughs> so obviously she cares about about the podcast and, and said that she likes it um thanks ashley yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, our, our friend, Andrew, um, who also has his own podcast, um, The Unexamined Hype, he left a comment um, on our page, and I was super thankful to hear another podcaster liking what we're putting out. Um, and my friend Kira, who was giving me lots of shit for having not seen The Fifth Element. <laughs> so just more pressure leading into that conversation and that viewing. Yeah, and if anybody else wants to reach out to us and do a little shout out, if if they want us to shout them out and they want to just send us something cool, send us a link to some cool horror sci-fi related stuff. We'd be more than happy to have a little chat and give you some credit, give you some credit. That's going to wrap it up for this week. Next week, we are going to be talking about some real life accounts. Maybe some of ours, probably not, but then also ones that we get off the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Those real life accounts are specifically going to be about alien encounters and abductions. I'm finally going to be able to spill the beans about when I got probed. (laughs) (laughs) Sick. Can't wait to hear that. So um, if that interests you, then tune in next week. And if that doesn't interest you, tune in anyway. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. I've been Anthony. I've been John. And Anthony. And we will see you next week. Keep it creepy. You can find Porcelain Peak on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, and if you're going to use PodCoin, don't forget to use code PORCELAIN, that's P-O-R-C-E-L-A-I-N, for 300 free coins. Wherever you listen, don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe so you never miss a spine-tingling episode. Follow us at Porcelain Peak on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or check us out on PorcelainPeak.com for additional content. Special thanks to Randy Greer for writing and producing our intro song and to Anthony Silva for designing the Porcelain Peak logo. This has been here for this fair of weirdos production.